What would it be like to love like Christ on a continual basis? Because as the great 60s song tells us, what the world needs now is love. Oh my gosh, y'all sound so good. We should form a choir. What do y'all think? Yeah? No? Okay. All right. Anyway. Um, we'll start that next week. Uh, what better time to talk about love of God than Valentine's month? So um, anyway, that's all next Sunday. But today, since this is the final Sunday of January, and it seems a little weird to take a kind of a resolution series into February, we're going to finish out this series today. Um, we've been in this series called The Power to Change. And what we're looking at is how to change things in 24, how to get more out of 24. Right, and first week we talked about having more God conversations. And I said, you know what, if you want to see a change in your everyday life, um, try having more conversations about God at your work, at, at school, wherever you are, because that will change things. And next, the second Sunday, what we did, we talked about the secret to any real success is when we put others first, serving other people, not looking to advance myself, but looking to serve others. So... When I was thinking about this, I was like, what's, what is one more thing that we could talk about that could close this series out? And here's where I want to go with our time today. I want to talk about what it means to be grateful in the grind. Okay, grateful in the grind. And let me introduce it to you this way. You know, there's always something next. There's always something more. There's always something we want that's out there that's right around the corner. And when I get this, then life will be better. And I remember thinking about this. This really played out when Shannon and I were in college. We're going through college, and we think it's so tough. We're studying for these classes. You know, we're living off pennies every day, you know, the life of a college student. And so we started thinking, man, once we get out of college, man, things are going to be so much better. Like, that's when we'll get to experience real life, right? But then what we found out is that once you graduate, you get into real life. Well, real life comes with real bills, right? Real jobs, real responsibility. And we're like, why did we rush that? Like, we should have stayed in college a little while longer, right? Kind of stretch that out. But it always seems to have, there's always something else. There's always something. Because then when we got out of college and we got married and we're like, this, this is it. This is what, then, then I started thinking, well, you know, life will have more meaning and it'll be more fulfilling once we get to seminary. And then we moved to Kentucky and we were in Kentucky and we were in seminary and, and, and things were going along. But we we're like, man, everything will be so much better when we move back down to Georgia and we're, we're placed in church. And then we moved back down to Georgia and we're placed at St. Luke and I'm starting ministry down in Columbus. And then I start thinking, man, everything will be better when I have a church of my own. And then, you know, then we got the chance to start the Ridge. And then when we got the Ridge, I started thinking, well, what's next? Things will be so much better when we have a building. And it is <laughs> so much better than we have. I will, I will acknowledge that. But my point is this. And my point is this. Here, here's, here's where I'm going with this. There's always something, right? What I'm learning is that in my 47 years of existence that there's always something out there. There's always something next. We're never really satisfied. And what I'm learning is that if we're not careful, what we can do is we'll be wishing away the current season because we're waiting on something else to happen, right? This whole idea of one day, you know, one day, whatever's right around the corner, and that achievement and that accomplishment or that friendship or that vacation or that possession, whatever it is, that's going to be the change that I'm looking for. Like, that's what's going to bring me joy. That's what's going to bring happiness. That's what's going to make life more fulfilling in 2024. But you know how this goes. Once that moment comes and we get what we've been after, we just move on to the next thing because there's always something else. 
right? There's always another vision. There's always another dream. There's always another prize in front of us. You see, I'm beginning to realize that so much of me is tied up in what I want. So much of us, we're going to go back, let's go back to this idea that we started the series off with, the power to change. The reason we don't see the change happen that we want is because we make it all about ourselves, right? The reason we're not finding fulfillment and purpose and joy and happiness in what we're doing is because we're so focused on ourselves. That's why we said in the first week, try being focused on God, have more God conversations. That's why we said last week, try to focus on others, make it about serving others. Don't look to advance yourself, but you advance yourself when you, when you serve other people. So it's always this battle against what I want and what I want to see happen and what I think and what I feel and when that is the focus, man, there's always something more. There's always something different. There's always something else. And you know what? Our culture doesn't help this at all. You know, it's constantly promoting the next thing that we have to have. And if you have this, then life will have more meaning. Life will be even better. You know, I'm thinking about this as we get ready for the Super Bowl. Super Bowl is right around the corner. Um, and if I'm honest with you, I'm not a big NFL fan, generally because the Falcons stink, but that's a whole other topic. I'm a big college football fan, but I watch the NFL, like I watch the playoffs and I watch getting into the Super Bowl, but mainly if I'm honest with you, the big reason I like watching the Super Bowl is because of the commercials. Are y'all with me? Do y'all like the commercials? I love the commercials, and I love uh, the next day doing the wrap-up and seeing what commercials were the, you know, the most favorite. But I brought one of my favorite commercials with me today just for your enjoyment. In case you have forgotten about this, just sit back and relax and have some fun. Love that reaction. I love it. It cracks me up every time I see it. How many of y'all remember that commercial? Do you remember that commercial? Okay. Do y'all know that was like 10 years ago when that commercial? Y'all, we're getting old. And by we, I mean me. Um, anyway, it's crazy. Every commercial, what I'm going after here is every commercial, everything that we see in front of us goes after this, just this mindset of you need something else, Right? It all says to gratify yourself, indulge yourself, get whatever you want, because you know what? You deserve it, right? You deserve to be happy. You deserve whatever out there is better for you. But as we've been looking over these past couple of weeks, what we've been saying through this is this actually runs countercultural to the message of Scripture, to the message of the Bible, and to the message of what Jesus came when he said that you are to deny yourself. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. But when we become a Christ follower, it's not about us anymore not about what I want, my needs. 
Christ says, you deny yourself. And then he takes that even a step further. And he says, pick up your cross and follow me, which we all know is a metaphor to say that we are to die to ourselves, our wants, our dreams. And we are to put God first in all things. So with that in mind, I, I want to share a verse with you that's very formative in my life. Uh, this has been in my office ever since I started ministry. It comes from 1 Corinthians 10. This is Paul. And Paul gives us the secret to success here, to finding the happiness and joy that we can find each and every day. Not having to wait for something else, not looking ahead for something else to happen that will make life better, but no, 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 being able to find the joy and the peace that comes from daily, daily being in God's will. So he puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, here's the key. Wherever your day finds you, here's what you do. You do it all for the glory of God. Okay, so what Paul wants us to know, and Paul, we're going to look at Paul's life and how he lived this out. But he has this very simple but profound thought here. And he's basically like, listen, you want the power to change things? You want more in 24? Here's what you do. Do everything you do as though you're doing it for God. And here's why we're talking about this today. It's because when you approach life this way, when you approach your day this way, that whatever I'm doing, I'm doing for God kind of way, then the prize, the prize isn't out there somewhere else, right? At what you can accomplish one day in the future. The prize isn't the next raise or the next big thing. The prize ends up whatever you're currently doing because what you're doing, you're looking for God in that moment. And when I'm concentrated on Him and when I'm looking to serve Him in this moment, then whatever it is, right? Then whatever it is, I can find joy. I can find some peace. If I'm doing what I can do for him. So what if, with this, with this line of thinking, what if we approach this year this way? What if, what if the work is actually the reward? What if the prize can be found in the process? What if I learn to be grateful in the daily grind? What if, what if, what we're doing right now, whatever it is that I'm doing right now, what if I can actually find fulfillment and purpose in this and I don't have to wait for the next big thing and I don't have to really put all my hope and energy into whatever it is that I think I need next in 24? Let me illustrate this with another piece of scripture that Paul writes um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. A few, a few chapters later, he puts it this way. Paul says, I am the least important of the apostles. I'm not even fit to be called an apostle. Because I tried to destroy God's church. So Paul's being a little vulnerable here. He's basically like, I'm nobody. I'm not, any, I'm not worth much, right? I, I don't feel like I'm qualified to be called to do what I'm doing. I'm not that great. And if you remember Paul's story, he tells you at the end why. Because he tried to destroy God's church, right? He was the one that was out there hunting Christians down, trying to bring them to trial, trying to get rid of Christianity. But... Jesus changed his life, and he says this, but because of God's grace, I am what I am. And his grace, his grace was not wasted on me. All right, if I can get the next slide real quick, the next, the next, right there it is. But because of God's grace, I am what I am. His grace was not wasted on me. Now, some of us might relate to this. 
And we might be able to feel, you know, because of my past, because of what I've done. You know, there, there are so many of us that feel like, you know, I, I don't feel that righteous. I don't feel that good. I, I don't feel like I am what I'm supposed to be. But because of God's transforming grace, he's working on me. You see, that's what we want people to experience when they come to the ridge is that love of God that we say transforms our life. Paul has experienced this, and he says, God's grace is not wasted on me. So he goes on. Next verse, he says, no, I have worked harder. What I do is I work harder than all the other apostles. But I didn't do the work. God's grace was with me. And so this is great. Because of what God has done and because how he has transformed Paul's life, Paul is like, I'm going to work hard. And I'm working harder than anybody else. Because of what God has done for me, I want to do what I can for him. And I don't think he's saying this as like he's bragging about it, like he's better than Peter or John. He's already said that. He's like, I'm not great. I'm not the one. But I do work as hard as I can because I found what he's going to tell us is that I found the joy that comes from working hard for God. As though I'm doing what I'm doing on a daily basis, as though I'm living for him. So let me flesh this out a little bit. It might be if Paul were living here today with us, he might say, you know, when other people take shortcuts, I do the right thing because I'm doing it for God's glory. When other people neglect God's reading, I get up early and I hide God's word in my heart for his glory. When the boss is being a little demanding and the project is in front of me, he, like, he might show up a little early and be ready for whatever's in front of him because he knew that this would bring God glory. When people made things difficult for him, he really made an effort to forgive and move forward because he knows this is what God, I've been forgiven. Scripture says I should forgive others, and I know that this is what God would want in order for me to move forward. This is pleasing to God. And again, I think that Paul would say whatever season in life is in, Wherever he's doing, wherever he was, whatever the task, he didn't look ahead to something else to bring him purpose. No, his purpose was serving God in this minute, in this day, in this hour. What can I do? What would please God? And that, that was everything for him. And that made everything better for him. In fact, the best way to illustrate this was when Paul was in prison. Y'all know, he got put in prison for a little while for serving Christ. And while he was there, I mean, what do you do in prison? Like everybody, everything that I've seen in the movies and on TV, everybody waits until they're out of prison. Like they daydream about what am I going to do? Like what's the next thing for me when I get out of here? Then life will begin and then I'll have this and then I'll be able to do this. Not Paul. Paul's in prison basically asking, how do I bring God glory in here? Who does that? So even in prison, he writes books about joy. Like it's, it's crazy to think about because while he's in prison, he had the mindset of if I give this day, this time for God's glory, then that changes things. And so what he did was he pumped out four books of the Bible, which is amazing. So, you know, I, I think that we can apply this to ourselves to this year. Maybe you can say in this moment, at this time, even, even though it's not that glamorous, even though I can't see a point to this, whatever you're stuck in or whatever you feel you're stuck in or whatever your daily routine is, maybe, maybe I'm going to approach this from here on out with integrity, with the heart of God, as though I'm doing it for him and see, see if that doesn't change things. Maybe, maybe we'll begin to find that the reward we've been looking for is actually in doing, doing the work for God, like in the daily grind. So what I want to do next is um, 
I want to share with you three roadblocks that come from uh, serving God and giving him everything you have each and every day. Three roadblocks. And then I want to leave you with one thought in closing. So real quick, the roadblocks from working hard with God. These are your message notes if you grabbed them. And if you opened up the Ridge app and you saw the message notes were last week's, they've been corrected. So shut your app down and then bring it back up and then you'll be able to follow along as well. So roadblocks, number one is comfort. Comfort keeps us from living out God's will sometimes. And the reason I say that is because what is that thing that's out there that leads you to believe that once you have that thing or once you receive this or have this opportunity, life is going to be so much easier? Because that's what we look forward to, right? That's one of the things right around the corner that will make life better is when I get this, life will be so much more comfortable. It'll be so much better. But you know what? I hate to burst your bubble when it comes to this. And I hope you understand that God, God never called us to take life easy. In fact, what we've been talking about over the past few weeks, the life of a disciple is actually very hard. It's very difficult because we're meant to deny ourselves. The life of a Christ follower is not comfy, cushy kind of life. In fact, easy, easy never changed anything. And yet, comfort cries out to me. And I want it. It can distract me. And it can keep me sometimes from living out God's will each and every day and working hard for him. The second thing that is a roadblock a lot of times are shiny things, just shiny things that are out there. Back to the, um, commer- the car commercial, what was that, Vol- Volkswagen, Volvo, whatever. Um, back to that idea of always wanting something else, and I think about this right now because interest rates are so high, and so when you see that car deal that's like a 0% interest rate or 1% or something like, oh, goodness, I've got to get out there. I've got to have this. I don't know if I'll ever have this opportunity again because I really want the next shiny new thing. I, when I was young and I wanted a new truck, I remember this. I wanted a truck, and I thought, y'all, this would be the best thing is if I had a truck where the windows went down when I did this. Because the windows only went down for me in my old truck when I did this. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all, the younger people, they have no idea what this is, do they? But y'all know, y'all know. But that would make things so much better. And there's always something out there, that shiny object that just distracts us, that takes us, takes our minds, takes our attention. You know, I, I used to watch a lot of cartoons after school, which is probably why my grades suffered. But anyway, I remember Wile E. Coyote. Y'all remember Wile E. Coyote? Always chasing the roadrunner, never caught him. These shiny things in life, we, they distract us, and we chase them, and we chase them, and we chase them, only to find out that when we do actually catch them, it's not what we thought, and it's not what we've been after anyway, and this is not the fulfillment that it promised. The other thing, number three, number three, is just giving up. This keeps us from working hard is when we just throw in the towel. It's just easier just to give up sometimes. And you know how this goes. My marriage isn't what it used to be. I don't feel the same way anymore. It's just not worth it. It's easier just to give up. We're trying to get out of debt. But, oh, my goodness, did you see how cheap the TVs are right now because of the Super Bowl? Everybody's got this sale. You know, we just need to forget about getting out of debt. Let's just go charge a TV because when are we going to get these prices again? And while we're out, we might as well go to dinner, put that on a card, too. It's just, it's just easier just to give up or give in. People say this about church all the time. I tried God. I tried coming on Sunday mornings. I tried reading my Bible. But when I went to church, I didn't really get anything out of it. or I didn't give it a whole lot of time, you know, or, or I don't really agree 
with some of the things that are happening at the church or instead of having a conversation, it's just easier just to, just to give out and just to give up. Listen, there's a lot in our lives that pushed us to the point of just wanting to give up and it's easy to throw in the towel. Or what we can do is we can pick up the towel, wipe off our brow, and get back to the daily grind of doing what we're doing and working hard for God's glory. Because what I've began to notice is that if you focus on the doing part, what you begin to realize is that the work can be in the reward. The prize can be in the process if we have the right intentions. So these things can, can, distract, can distract us. Com- comfort... Uh, shiny objects, just just giving in too easily instead of wanting to work hard. But one more thought. One more thought before we close this out. One more thought and getting more out of 24. I think what happens is so oftentimes is that we get passion and we get purpose out of sync. And here's why I say that. is because most people tend to think that they got to be passionate about whatever they're doing, right? I just, I'm just not passionate about it. Right? Or, or I know I have this, or I have this responsibility, or I have this job, or I have this opportunity. I'm just not that passionate about it. And we feed into that, right? We, we always tell people, well, just, just do whatever you're passionate about. You should just follow your feelings. If, if it feels so good, it can't be wrong. How many times have that got us in trouble, right? It's actually, Scripture tells us, man, your feelings will lead you astray. So, so here, here's, here's my question when it comes to passion. What about the 90% of people that are stuck doing something day in, day out that they're not that passionate about, right? What if you're just not passionate about this year or about whatever this thing is that's in front of, her, in front of you? Maybe it's your job. Maybe if you're honest, it's your marriage. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's, your, maybe it's dealing with your kids who are going through the teenage years. Maybe it's the home life. You know, if you're feeling that way, here's here's what I think will happen. I think we need to start with purpose, not passion. When we start with passion, what we do is we make it all about ourselves and what I'm feeling and my feelings are all over the board because one day I'm up here, the other day I'm down here. So I can't base it off of what I'm feeling or what I'm passionate about because that changes all the time. But what I do is when I base it on being purpose, on, on the purpose, then what I'm doing is I'm basing it on God. And I'm basing it on what he wants, and I'm starting with him. You see, purpose will bring passion, and that will change things. Because if I can find God's purpose for me in this or that, man, I can find God's purpose in a lot of things. Short of sin, I can find God's purpose for me in just about anything. In fact, this is what Paul says. This goes back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, right? Paul said, whatever you do, whatever you're doing, find God's purpose in it, right? Be, be, find God's purpose because then that will lead to passion for whatever that is. So maybe, maybe instead of looking at life, instead of looking at 2024 from the standpoint of what do I need to do to make me happy, what's out there for me? What if instead I use it as a starting point this year and ask, God, what is your purpose in fill in the blank? Whatever that is in front of you. You see, I believe that if you're willing to make God the starting point, when you do what you do for his glory, then whatever going on, whatever, whatever's going on in life, you begin to realize 
that even though this isn't something you would have chosen, right? Even though this is difficult, even though you're in the middle of something very boring, even though I cannot believe this is my routine right now, you begin to see that even here, even now, I can find God's purpose. And that changes things. When I begin to ask, how can I glorify God in this moment? Passion always follows purpose. It always follows it. Let me give you one more example to back this up. Back to our guy, Paul. Paul, who wrote so many books in the Bible. I, you know, sometimes I wonder, what was Paul passionate about before he became a Christ follower? You know, maybe, maybe he thought he was a great singer and he was just waking, waiting for his breakout moment on Jerusalem's Got Talent. You know, I don't know. Or maybe he was the original Bob Ross, you know, before Bob Ross. He was a great painter. You know, I don't know. Like, what was he passionate about? Because when he met Christ, instead of looking to fulfill his passions, make it all about what he wanted and what he thought was next, man, he made it all about God. And he writes this in Acts 20. He says, I don't care about my life, what I want out of my day. I don't care about my life. The, the most important thing to me is what? That I complete the mission. And what's the mission? The mission is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to make it all about Jesus. Even though this might be boring, even though this doesn't make sense, even though this feels insignificant, my goal is God's purpose. So again, I, I don't know where this message hits you today. Um, I don't know how you might apply this message. And please understand that I'm not trying to tell you not to go after your dreams, not to go after what God's calling you to. Absolutely, if God's calling you something, go after it with all your heart, right? I just want you to remember that whatever you're doing, short of sin, whatever you're doing, you can find fulfillment in it if you look at it as though you're doing it for God's glory. You'll have more peace. You'll find more joy. So maybe your life is a taxi service right now for your kids, just getting them from point A to point B. How do I do that for God's glory? Maybe you're fighting to hold on to your marriage and it's hard. Do it with the purpose of looking for God in the relationship because if you find your purpose in him, passion will follow. Well, when you're crying with your spouse because of a difficult moment, when you're, when you're caring for your aging parents, when you feel like you're called to something more, but you feel like you're stuck in a dead-end job that you don't really like, when you're battling disappointment, when you have sickness, when you're struggling with your finances, when we take those moments and we ask ourselves, how can I live out God's glory in this moment? What is his purpose for me in this? It changes everything. So you know what that means? That means maybe the problem for us isn't out there what's next in 2024. Maybe it's not in the new car. Maybe it's not in the job promotion. Maybe it's not in the new relationship or the new raise or your kid getting accepted in this school or that school. Maybe the prize can actually be found each and every day when I give what I'm doing for God and his glory. Maybe that's what I need to be after. Maybe that's where I'll find the fulfillment but my heart just feels like it's lacking we got to remember, life isn't about us. It's not about us. It's about him. And I've discovered that most of the time, the work can be the reward if we're, if we're working as though we're serving God. So whatever we do, we do for him. Because as the psalmist says, today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I'll be glad in it because I get to serve him. Because I do for him because of what he's done for me. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for the life that you've given us. God, I thank you for the opportunities that you give us, God. 
I, I just pray that we, wouldn't, that we wouldn't wish away so quickly each and every day because we know that you want to break in. We know that you want to work in and through us. So God, help us to recognize those moments. Help us to see those moments where we feel like it's just nothing of value in this or that. God, help us to find our fulfillment and help us to find our purpose and help us to find our passion when we learn to give our day and our moment and our time each and every day to you. No matter what we're doing, God, realizing that you can break through, realizing that you want to be glorified in and through our lives. So God, just use us. Use us, whatever, whatever that may be, wherever that may be, God. We are yours. God, we thank you for loving us like you have. God, help us to love you even more by doing what we can for you and your glory. Whether that's at our work, at school, at home, our families, wherever. God, we give everything we have to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.